the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom reign. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Yes, indeed it is, and a good morning to you. Nine minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock, and we are underway on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. It's Wednesday. doesn't feel like it because we were only on one day this week. feels a little bit like a Tuesday. Yesterday got me so messed up, I actually gave you the Monday happy hour special at Harry Buffalo instead of the Tuesday happy hour. But I do recognize today is Wednesday, and it is the 28th morning of the 12th month of the year of our Lord, 2022, a year that I cannot wait to slam the door on. I cannot wait until 11.59 p.m. on the 31st so that we can say goodbye to 2022. One of the worst years on record, maybe, and I talked about this in the third hour yesterday only. So if you are only a first-hour listener, <clears throat> you didn't hear the discussion, and I'll, I'll, I'll kind of repeat it a little bit. Sorry for the redundancy for those who listen to all three hours. But um, I, I can't wait. Uh, 2022... As we kind of draw, you know, this is just a standard thing. I've been doing radio for 25 years now, and at the end of the year, virtually every year that I've been doing this, um, you look back, right? You know, a lot of people do top 10 list, top 10 this or that. I've done it in the past. Top 10 list of this or that or the other thing uh, in in the news or in sports or in whatever is going on in 2022. 
I'm not going to do top ten lists this year, tomorrow and Friday, when I kind of really do the retrospective of the year that has just been uh, completed. I'm not going to do top tens, but I'm just going to I'm just going to kind of go through the highlights, and by highlights, I don't mean positive per se, meaning the most important stories, the most important developments, the most important things that happened to us. And I think as I build that, um. You're going to agree that this might have been the worst year in our lifetimes. Now, as I said yesterday in hour three, I want to be clear about that. That doesn't mean each of us, it was our worst year personally, because quite obviously you have personal things that happen to you. You lose a parent, you have a a spouse diagnosed with cancer, your dog dies, I mean, you lose your job. There's a lot of things that make years our terrible year, our worst year in our lifetimes for us as persons. That's not what I mean. I'm talking about the things that make us, uh, you make up our country, that make up our culture, that make up our communities, that make up our world. The things that have happened in this calendar year, I just think have been so extraordinarily negative. There's only a couple of positives that I could say, this happened in 2022, and that was a really good thing, such as, the end of Roe versus Wade, thanks to the Dobbs decision by our Supreme Court. I, I look at Roe versus Wade and I said to myself, "Wow, 22, 2022 was, you know, was survivable just because of that alone. That is a huge move, sending to the states the decision so that the people can much more directly with their own state legislators make up their own minds about what restrictions there should be." Um, in the preservation of life, or rather restrictions on the taking of lives of the defenseless, the most defenseless among us in our population, which of course are our pre-born. And it is about pre-born, not unborn. We call it pre-born because they're on their way to being born. Uh, they're people. They're just on one side of the birth canal instead of the other side. But I don't want to get into all that. My point being, obviously, that is a positive development, and uh, and we should celebrate that. Uh, the fact that they started to lift, you know, lockdown policies and certain COVID policies that afflicted us in 2021 and in 2020, I suppose you could say that was a positive thing about 2022. But that's it. I mean, yesterday in the third hour, I just started listing, list, listing some of the things from the highest energy prices, particularly for, for, uh, gasoline in the history of this country to high highest energy prices to heating our homes to record high inflation numbers or at the bare minimum 40-year high inflation numbers to record uh, numbers of illegal aliens flooding and invading our country across that southern border with no attempt to stop it whatsoever by the federal government record amounts of drugs, particularly the lethal fentanyl crossing that border, leading to record amounts of, uh, not suicides, overdoses. And yes, suicides as well, by the way, but that's a separate story. But overdoses uh, in the United States. Record high violent crime increases leading or uh, stemming from uh, completely ignorant and oblivious district attorneys and judges telling people there's no consequences here. We're, we're not even going to charge you a bail fee in order to go free, and then we expect you to come back for your trial. And, oh, by the way, when we prosecute you, it's going to be a light sentence because equity, 
racial equity needs to be first and foremost as we look at the populations of our jails and our prisons. So record high violent crimes. Um, education at a crossroads. Education under attack like never before. From the proponents of indoctrination along the lines of CRT, SEL, CSE, if you don't know those things, critical race theory, social-emotional learning, comprehensive sex education, the gender agenda. Our kids being completely indoctrinated with leftist ideology and thinking from teachers who are who are not listening to the parents. The parents have been cast to the side in that thing, in that entire uh, endeavor, but listening to their unions, the leaders of the teachers' unions who are in bed with the Marxists and the leftists who are trying to turn this country into something that it's not. I mean, we can go on, and we will. That's what tomorrow's program is going to be. We're going to, I'm going to bring you a lot of those things. We're going to talk about them. I'm going to have audio clips for you. I'm going to have some reminders of all of the things that happened in 2022 so that you can join me in celebrating on New Year's Eve the end of what I think has been one of the most tumultuous and one of the most horrific years, the supply chain disruption. The fact that moms couldn't feed their babies because there was no formula, for crying out loud. Trucker strikes. Um, <laughs> human trafficking. The terrible midterms last month. The midterm that was supposed to be a huge red tsunami we talked about. I predicted it. I was wrong. We were all wrong. And now we're going to pay the price. The passing of things like the the Inflation Reduction Act, which is essentially the Green New Deal under a, a completely fictional title and name. War starting in Ukraine. Freeing the merchant of death in exchange for a WNBA basketball player who hates the country. <laughs> I mean, honestly... Stores being closed and, and, and restaurants being closed or their hours drastically reduced because they can't find anybody to come and work jobs anymore. No workers want the jobs. The $1.7 trillion omnibus that the Republicans helped pass just a, couple, a few days ago. More election fraud in Arizona being completely ignored by the courts. I mean, I could just go on and on and on, and I will tomorrow and Friday. But I'm going to ask for your input on this today. We are a guest-free program today. So I have plenty of opportunities for your phone calls at 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Tell me if 2022 wasn't the worst year that you can recall in your lifetime on record. Uh, And again, that's uh, excluding personal developments, personal situations that make uh, a given year or a given time in your life the worst that you can remember. We're looking for the bigger picture here. This is a macroeconomic level or a macro uh, uh, evaluation level rather than micro. But I'm curious, and I would love to hear from you, 216-901-0945, So many things there. Uh, as for top stories of the day, I've got plenty of those, too. And I'll give them to you after our timeout, and I'll give you that timeout after I ask you to run. Rise, patriots, go ahead and stand, and let's do our Pledge of Allegiance. If you are a believer in what those stars and stripes represent, I know you will face your flag and you will put your hand on your heart and you will join us for a pledge. If you are a believer in the Marxism that has completely overtaken the Democrat Party, the Democrat-controlled White House, House of Representatives, and Senate, and the complete and fundamental transformation of America from a free 
market capitalist constitutional republic into a tyrannical socialist Marxist model of a nation that they uh, envision overseeing and overpowering. If you are a believer in that, well, you can go ahead and take a knee instead of standing. We know you don't believe in what those stars and stripes represent anyway. Take a knee next to your favorite ex-quarterback. For the rest of us, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. 919, we'll come right back. We've got a nice monologue lined up for you with a lot of the top stories we're going to be talking about, and I welcome your phone calls. Again, we're going to be pretty much free-for-all today. You can talk about any of the issues that I bring up, or even maybe go off script just a little bit and pick up uh, the ones that are most important to you at 216-901-0945. We are guest-free today. That means more time for you and me together. That's a beautiful thing. On AM 1420, The Answer. Wish I could stay sick with you. It is 922. Good Wednesday morning to you. Thanks for being with us on AM 1420, The Answer. So big deal yesterday. Very big deal yesterday by the Supreme Court making the decision and saying that Title 42 will not be ended immediately as the Biden administration wants it to. And, of course, we know why Biden wants to do it. He wants to flood more millions of Americans across that border, or, excuse me, millions of illegal immigrants, I should say, uh, to try to make them Americans uh, as quickly and uh, as easily as he possibly can. But Title 42 is one of the very few tools in the tool belt that has been uh, somewhat effective in limiting the massive overflow. Well, let me rephrase. There already is a massive massive overflow. Nothing has limited it. But let's just say it would be worse, and it could be worse. So the Supreme Court yesterday said uh, Title 42 will remain in place. And all that does, of course, is it allows um, uh, the uh, Immigration and Customs Enforcement and uh, Homeland Security to turn people away uh, on the basis of the threat of them bringing and spreading COVID into the United States. So it's part of the, quote-unquote, pandemic protocols. Even though the pandemic is over, as declared by Joe Biden, this is one of the few tools that was working to at least minimize the damage such that it is. So, of course, the Biden administration wanted it to end, and the Supreme Court uh, accepted the challenge and said, nope, it's going to stay in place. And, in fact, there's a very interesting development here that I'll bring you uh, that maybe, or may- maybe you did or maybe you did not hear uh, about the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court, in issuing that statement that Title 42 will remain while legal challenges continue uh, uh, on that issue, an unlikely pairing of one of the court's most staunch conservative uh, originalists and one of the most activist left-wing justices, they paired up to issue a statement, um, a dissent against the, the majority's opinion. This is very strange. Neil Gorsuch and Ketanji Brown-Jackson, the newest, the diversity hire chosen by, uh, uh, by Joe Biden simply because of her sex and her skin color, made an unlikely team on Tuesday by issuing a dissent against the decision to keep Title 42 in place. Very strange. I would expect this from Jackson, not from Gorsuch. Um, The states 
challenged a district court's ruling last month that would vacate Title 42, which was enacted by the Trump administration to allow officials to expel migrants on public health grounds. Gorsuch, a Trump appointee, wrote the dissent and was joined by Jackson. The two justices argued that the Biden administration and Congress have failed to adequately address the immigration crisis that is likely coming after Title 42 is vacated. But they wrote that it is not the Supreme Court's job to issue policies where elected leaders fail. Quote, the only means left to mitigate the crisis, the state suggests, is an order from this court directing the federal government to continue its COVID-era Title 42 policies as long as possible, at the very least during the pendency of our review, Gorsuch wrote. For my part, I do not discount the state's concerns. Even the federal government acknowledges that the end of Title 42 orders will likely have disruptive consequences. But the current border crisis is not a COVID crisis. And courts should not be in the business of perpetuating administrative edicts designed for one emergency only because elected officials have failed to address a different emergency. We are a court of law, not policymakers of last resort. So he was joined in that dissent by Ketanji Brown-Jackson, which is a very strange development. They know, well, Gorsuch knows that if Title 42 is lifted, it's going to have a disastrous consequence. What is already a disaster which is between five and 8,000 migrants crossing on average per day, will become triple. We're talking around 18,000, according to the experts, would be flooding across that border per day. This country would not survive it. That is not hyperbole. It is not exaggeration. This country would not survive that. And so to have Gorsuch and Katanji Brown-Jackson combined to write, write the dissent there is very, very interesting and very, very odd. He recognizes how dangerous it is if they do lift Title 42, but says it's not our job to continue Title 42. It's not our job to say there is a COVID emergency here, a health emergency here, and therefore we should um, let this rule stay in place, this policy stay in place. But nonetheless, it does stay in place because of the majority. And as we kind of make sense of what happened there, Title 42 will remain in place for a few more months. Uh, Alejandro Mayorkas, who is the Direct Department of Homeland, Homeland Security Secretary, who has essentially surrendered the border in every bit as much of a way as the border czar Kamala Harris herself has, completely disinterested in border barriers, completely disinterested in more border security. Just let them come in, let them claim asylum, and then give them their court date to come back to have their asylum hearing and release them. It's called catch and release. It's dangerous. And Mayorkas is calling on uh, on uh, uh, Congress to approve, or was calling on Congress to approve, Biden's plan to give amnesty to illegals while increasing foreign competition in the labor market. And he decried the Supreme Court's decision uh, to keep Title 42 in place. Mayorkas should be impeached. Of that, there is no doubt. And even some Democrats have said so. Mayorkas cannot possibly be the Secretary of Homeland Security while literally surrendering Homeland Security. Homeland Security is in a very, very dangerous place with this man in charge of it. Because that flood of thousands per day, millions per year, which is what we're averaging under the Biden administration's two years in office, that flood threatens not only national security, but it is also a humanitarian crisis if you look at what is happening down in the border or at the border. 
and you know who is responsible for dealing with that crisis, both at a, from a security level and from a humanitarian level? The people and the state representatives and local officials in Texas. Also, to an extent, Arizona, to a lesser extent, New Mexico and California, they're forced to deal with all of it. It's a federal decision, and yet state officials are forced to deal with it in whatever way that they can. And one state official, the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, said, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to bring the border to them if they won't come to the border and deal with this. And he started sending people again by bus after they signed off and signed a waiver and made their choice about where they wanted to go, send them to Kamala Harris. And I hope they're, I, Peter Kersenow said yesterday, the mistake was in sending 130 people to Kamala Harris's house. They should have sent 130,000. And I think Kersenow is exactly right. Make them pay attention to this. Make them deal with this. Stop forcing all of the, the individual, local, and state officials down on the border states to deal with this. Now, if you think that's the worst of this story, wait until after the news when I give you the worst of this story. The Biden administration intentionally making things worse. If you thought catch and release was bad, how about catch, release, and don't ever come back? Because we don't want to have a hearing for you. That story is coming up after the news. Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. the light of liberty and holding the line against the darkness of tyranny. Always right radio with Bob France on The Answer. 936 now. I want to stay on this um, Supreme Court decision uh, for a moment or two more. And again, phone lines are open at 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. I want to stay on the Supreme Court decision to um, allow Title 42 to remain in place to give at least a tiny bit of a break to border security and those who are trying to get uh, you know what is out of control under control. Um, it, gets, it gets worse for the Biden administration. Breitbart reported this uh, late yesterday. Bombshell video and audio footage of the Biden Department of Homeland Security freeing over 150,000 of the illegal border crossers into the United States without court dates in summer of 2021. What does that mean? You know what catch and release means. Catch and release is the the disastrous policy that says if somebody comes to the United States illegally and is apprehended or turns themselves in to Border Patrol or to someone else and claims asylum and claims that they fear for their life in their country of origin, for whatever reason. There's supposed to be reasons, by the way. It has to be you know, for religious persecution or political persecution. You can't just say, my country sucks. I would rather come to a better one. But that's what they've allowed them to do. They can claim their lives are in danger because of poverty. Their lives are in danger because of you know, governmental uh, decisions. And that's not what the asylum laws are for. It's, it's just complete abuse of the process. But nonetheless, catch and release says, if somebody comes across illegally and then says, asylum, I fear for my life in my home country for one reason or another, then they are given a 
a court date to appear to have their asylum claims heard so that they the asylum judge can decide whether or not uh you know this this claim rises to the level of allowing them to come to the country or they have to be deported back to their own country well that's a terrible policy because after they release these people into the United States they never come back for their court dates and when I say never, I mean I'm talking to the tune of 70 to 80 percent of them say no way because they're not going to take a chance. They found their way into a city or into an area of the country where they can survive, and there's no way they're going to come back. What if the judge says, no, I don't like your reason. No, you don't have a religious persecution claim. No, you don't have a political persecution claim. No, you don't have the government uh, trying to uh, enslave you or kill you or something else that might rise to the level of an asylum claim. What if the judge says, no, I'm not going back for that hearing, and so they disappeared? That's what catch and release has done. And it has put an extraordinary burden on America, America's job market, an extraordinary burden on America's educational system, an extraordinary burden on America's economic system, because we have to provide for all of those individuals, 99% of them come here completely without skills, without merit of any kind. They're not coming to contribute to the country. They're coming and they're going to be a drain on the country. The overwhelming majority of them, maybe not 99%, but the overwhelming majority of them come here with no skills and nothing to offer the country. But, boy, they sure have a lot that they want to take from the country, right? And so they're released, and that's that's the way it goes. And that's why it's a terrible policy. What's worse than that? What's worse than that is this. Joe Biden's Department of Homeland Security released more than 150,000 of the illegal border crossers without an NTA. What is an NTA? That's what I just mentioned. It's the notice to appear in an immigration court to have their asylum claim heard. In the summer of 2021, according to bombshell footage, so in other words, proof, um, over 150,000 of them were told basically just go on into the country and don't worry about coming back. Don't even have an NTA. They did not process them and give them a notice to appear in an immigration court at a various time. Now, by the way, what makes this so ridiculous is because of the massive backlog. What makes it ridiculous is the fact that we do have millions of illegals who have come into this country and been given NTAs, which means they're not going to have their court dates for, you know, not six months. But 12 months, not 12 months, but 18 months, not 18 months, but three years or more. So they come in, they're illegal, they suck up resources, they take jobs, low wage, by the way, uh, low skill or no skill, blue collar jobs, the overwhelming majority of which are taken by uh, minorities in the United States due to educational Issues and so forth, the overwhelming number of those jobs are taken up by blacks and and to a degree Hispanics. Well, American citizens who are black and Hispanic losing their jobs to people who will work for less than minimum wage under the table because they're here illegally, that's a terrible, terrible thing for them. That's why what President Trump did was almost a miracle for four years in which he lowered the black unemployment rate and the Hispanic unemployment rate to record lows. Because he was not taking this on. He was not allowing them to come in in such a way and take the jobs away from African Americans and from Hispanic Americans. It was a miracle he was able to do that. But, of course, Biden goes right back to the catch-and-release policy. And now, here's the rest of this story. 
As part of a lawsuit against Biden's expansive catch-and-release network, Florida Attorney General Ashley Moody obtained internal DHS, it's Homeland Security, footage revealing the extent to which the agency released hundreds of thousands of border crossers and illegal aliens into the U.S. interior without court dates. In particular, an Immigration and Customs Enforcement official can be heard on tape telling agents that more than 150,000 border crossers and illegal aliens were released into the U.S. interior without NTAs in the summer of 2021. Biden's DHS started the practice in March of 2021. Quote, you know, over the summer, we had well over 150,000 folks come in, the ICE official states. They were issued a piece of paper that said, find somebody in ICE. And that was pretty much it. There was no processing. I know this isn't something you guys asked for, and I can assure you that no one in the criminal alien program asked for it either. End quote. Moody suggested in a statement that the Biden administration is proactively releasing border crossers and illegal aliens into American towns and cities with no intention of deporting them, even if they are found to not have valid asylum claims. Quote, this has been the administration's plan all along, end quote, according to Moody. The latest estimates show that from February of 2021 to October of 2022, so just two months ago, Biden's DHS has released at least 1.4 million border crossers and illegal aliens into the U.S. interior. Many of those released last year were given only notices to report, which asked arrivals to check in with ICE wherever they resettled, and no ability to follow up on that order. So if this is not, and I, I don't like to use this word loosely, because the left used it so haphazardly and so ridiculously. I don't want to be a part of that. But if this complete and utter surrender of American sovereignty, the bastardization of the asylum loophole in American immigration law, and the intentional flooding of American cities with millions of foreigners without valid claims to be here, putting in jeopardy American national homeland security. If that's not an impeachable offense, I don't know what is. And this is on tape. Like I said, I don't like to use that term because that's what the left does. But this is this is beyond the pale. This is a bridge too far. How would it co- use your choose your, your your phrase? This is this is unacceptable. Meanwhile as Biden is allowing these people to come in and then in part transporting them to American cities, dumping them in American cities, making all states border states. Do you realize that, right? Here in Ohio, we are a border state. We don't share a border with Mexico, but we might as well because they're flooding them by bus and by plane to Ohio as well as to New York, to Washington to New Jersey, to literally all over the country. This was the grand plan. And as they fly and bus people all over the country so that the rest of the country can share the pain of the border states like Mex- or, uh, uh, Texas and, uh, and Arizona, as they do that, they condemn and criticize Texas Governor Greg Abbott for doing the same thing. 
Texas Governor Greg Abbott is following the White House's model and busing people to various locations around the country. It's just that he wants people to notice it. The Biden administration has been doing this for two years now under the cover of darkness, late-night 2 a.m. flights, departing various locations in Texas and Arizona and landing in various localities all across this country and then dumping the illegals there and saying, you deal with it, right? Texas Governor Greg Abbott did it not under the cover of darkness, but with lights around him. Daylight and spotlights wanted everybody to see him dump these people at the doorstep of Kamala Harris, and suddenly he's public enemy number one. He's dangerous. He's the one who should be ashamed for using migrants as a political pawn. Are you kidding? Yesterday, Greg Abbott hit back at the White House after a spokesperson for Biden called this dangerous and shameful. Renee Ezzi, a spokesperson for Abbott, deemed Biden the, quote, hypocrite-in-chief, end quote, for criticizing Texas while flying plane loads of migrants across the country, oftentimes in the cover of night themselves. Quote, those migrants willingly chose to go to Washington, D.C., talking about the ones that were dropped off at Kamala's house on Christmas Eve. Those migrants willingly chose to go to to Washington, D.C., having signed voluntary consent waivers available in multiple languages, upon boarding, that they agreed on the destination, end quote. Uh, As he went on to say, and they were processed and released by the federal government, who are dumping them at historic levels in Texas border towns like El Paso, which recently declared a state of emergency because of the Biden-made crisis, end quote. Three buses, you recall, about 130 people in total, were dropped off in Washington at uh, Kamala Harris's home, Democrats across the nation harshly criticized Abbott for the trip with White House spokesperson Abdullah Hassan calling it cruel, dangerous, and shameful. (laughs) Governor Abbott abandoned children on the side of the road in below freezing temperatures on Christmas Eve without coordinating any federal or local authorities, Hassan said in a statement earlier this week. I'll pause there to say that if these children were outside of Kamala's house in below freezing temperatures... And Kamala didn't open her door to let those kids and those uh, the, those illegal asylum seekers come on in and get warm. Then who's the real villain here? Because isn't Washington D.C. a sanctuary locale? We would call it a sanctuary state, but it's not a state. Isn't it a sanctuary city slash state? Isn't Washington D.C. the district sanctuary? Yes, it is. Provide some damn sanctuary then, Kamala. Help these people out. You're the one who said that essentially the border is 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 not relevant. It's not something to be concerned with securing. If you don't believe in borders at the southern uh, 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 tip of the United States, the southern border with Mexico, well, then why do you have borders in your house? What are those doors for? Open those things up and let people come in because isn't that what you do? I bet they're seeking asylum from the cold. What do you think, Cammie? I bet they're seeking asylum from the cold weather. Why don't you provide them asylum? As we have repeatedly said, we are willing to work with anyone, said the White House. 
Republican or Democrat alike, on real solutions like the comp. There it is again. The comprehensive immigration reform and border security measures President Biden sent to Congress on his first day in office, but these political games accomplish nothing and only puts lives in danger. Kiss my royal red, white, and blue A. They need to stop suggesting that the only way to secure the border is to provide amnesty and citizenship paths to the the tens of millions of illegals who are already here. That is literally, they are holding this country hostage. They are holding this country at ransom. By saying we will not secure that border, we will not allow barriers to be built, we will not allow to allow more border agents to be hired, we will not allow them to turn around and expel crossers, we will not do it until you give tens of millions of them citizenship rights, voting rights who are already here. And of course, you know that the order of those events would be, step one, grant the amnesty and the path to citizenship. Step two, work on sealing the border. The problem with that order, chronology matters here. The problem with that order is the moment amnesty is granted for those who are already here and the border is not yet sealed, the flood will be in the millions. Holy gosh, the Americans are letting us stay. Get there now. And if you think we've had massive numbers of caravans now with you know 5,000 a day, 8,000 a day, 18,000 a day coming at the end Title 42, wait until you see tens of thousands a day coming across before they are, are able to secure the border, before they are able to put the resources, physical barriers, and so on and so forth in place. And that will mean we are not just greenlighting the amnesty slash citizenship rights for 11 million or 20 million or 25 million, but you start adding more millions to that as they are given the carrot to come across. And then they sit there and tell CNN and MSNBC and the New York Times that it's the Republicans' fault that the border's not secure because they won't allow, quote-unquote, comprehensive immigration reform, which includes that amnesty. What an absolutely embarrassing and un-American stance being taken by the President of the United States and his puppet masters. It's 9.52. I'll be right back. All right, 9.57. I'm having a little fun on Twitter the last couple of days. See, you would be amazed at how few people, you know, what a small number of people have heard Mr. Rogers from back in the 1970s and early 1980s predicting, literally predicting the trans crisis that is, uh, that is you know, sweeping this country right now. And it's an agenda and it's indoctrination. Uh Mr. Rogers, back in the late 1970s, began singing a song on on his shows repetitively, frequently, called Everybody's Fancy and Everybody's Fine. This is one of the best because he inserts a couple of commentary lines in between this particular time. Again, it's all over his show. He wanted children to know the realities of biological science, and sometimes he would interject a little bit more. And so what I'm doing on Twitter is I'm responding to anybody who's got 
topics up uh, having to do with this, with this video, so more and more people can see it. And it is spreading like wildfire. Uh, the Hodge twins, uh, two conservative uh, uh, twins who have a great, great following, posted the video and shared the video of a trans woman, meaning a biological man, pretending to have um, menstrual cramps. You don't have menstrual cramps unless you menstruate. You don't menstruate unless you have eggs. You don't menstruate unless you have a uterus. This doesn't happen. But this person's flopping around, and it's a viral video, and the Hodge twins posted it. And I responded by posting what I've been posting everywhere. Boys are boys from the beginning. If you were born a boy, you stay a boy. Girls are girls right from the start. If you were born a girl... You stay a girl and grow up to be a lady. Everybody's fancy. Everybody's fine. Your body's fancy, and so is mine. Only girls can be the mommies. Only boys can be the daddies. Yes, sir. Everybody's fancy. Everybody's fine. Your body's fancy, and so is so that one got cut off there before he said mine, and that's okay, but I put this out, and it is just getting a massive response on Twitter, and I want to share this as widely as possible for people to understand science uh, isn't dated. Science isn't something that, and human biology isn't something that you grow out of. It was true in the 1970s. It is true today, and some people like Fred Rogers were prescient enough to see it coming and to spread that message, and hopefully influence generations of kids into understanding the reality of the world. The sad reality now is Mr. Rogers is dead. And the last couple of generations, the millennials and the Gen Zers, never had a Mr. Rogers to share that message with. And that is why we find ourselves where we are, among other issues. 10 o'clock news time. We'll come right back. Always Right Radio. Phone lines will be open on what we're going to call a free-for-all Wednesday as we are guest-free at 216-901-0945. Dial it up now. We'll get you on the radio next. AM 1420. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Onward into hour number two we go now at nine minutes past ten o'clock. Good morning. Thanks for being with us on Always Right Radio. It's the 28th morning of the 12th month of the year of our Lord, 2022. And uh, we are guest-free today, which means plenty of opportunities to hear from you on all of the topics of the day. We started out with immigration spent almost the whole hour talking about the uh, Supreme Court's decision to allow Title 42 to remain in place, which gives at least some tiny, small break uh, to our border security officers and those who are charged with protecting the homeland. Um, it's not the answer by by any means, but it is an answer. It is an assist, if you will. Uh, so that was important. Talked about Joe Biden surrendering sovereignty by literally uh, having his um, homeland security operatives uh, at the direction of Alejandro Mayorkas tell 
tell the migrants that they're catching and releasing, that they don't even have to come back, not even giving them a notice to appear. So all of those are a big part of the story today. Uh, we've got a lot more to get into, but again, I want to hear what you have to say, and I will take your calls at 216-901-0945. Also going to spend a little bit of time uh, this morning, looking back at 2022, from the standpoint of the media, Grabian has put together the 10 most mortifying media moments of 2022. And 10 through 1, I'll be sharing some of those with you as uh, as we go this morning. Uh, but as mentioned, I do want to uh, get to your phone calls. I want to see what you've got to say, what you want to talk about the most. If you want to talk about uh, 2022, the look back that I started at the top of the show today. And that I kind of ended yesterday's show. I did it at the top of hour one today and the end of hour three yesterday. We're trying to decide if 2022 is the worst year on record. The worst year that we have and can remember in our lifetimes. Now, I've got 90-year-olds who call this radio show, and I've got 20-year-olds who call this radio show, and I'm right in the middle of that. So we all have different lifetimes. So it's relative, but you do understand the point. Is this not the worst year, when you look at it from top to bottom, that you can remember? Because it is to me. It really is. And I'm, and I'm really trying to go back to my childhood. I'm trying to go back into the 1980s when I was growing up as a teenager. And then in the late 80s as a college student, going through the 90s, trying to work my way into my professional career. And I can think back of all of the scandals and all of the developments and all of the world issues, all of the economic issues, all of the uh, uh, the uh, cultural issues. And I can't find another year that was as disappointing as this one for such a huge variety of reasons. And I'm asking for your thoughts on that. 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Wayne is calling us from Cleveland. We're going to bring him up here to start hour number two. Wayne, thanks for joining us. You're on the air. Go ahead, sir. Mr. France, good morning. Good morning. Uh, 71 years old. Um, Harry Reid, who uh, taught Chucky Schumer every dirty trick he knows, <laughs> convinced Reagan to give amnesty to the immigrants way back in the 90s and Reagan signed it away with the promise that immigration reform and border security would soon follow and of course Mr. Reed did not fulfill his end of the deal and Reagan admitted later that that was probably the worst agreement he made in his life um, so we've been here in this position years ago and in a deal orchestrated by Schumer's teacher, I really doubt that um, anything will be followed up on by the Democrats. Well, Wayne, uh, I completely concur, which is why everything that they say uh, about you know the, the catastrophe, and it really is that bad at the border right now, um, I, I, I don't just take with a grain of salt. I reject flatly. Uh, they're saying we will secure the border as part of comprehensive immigration reform, and comprehensive immigration reform must include amnesty for all illegals who are here and a pathway to citizenship for most of them. And as you know, and as I kind of laid out before, they won't do them simultaneously. They can't do them simultaneously. They will only do the border security after they do the amnesty. And after they do the amnesty, it's too late because the rush will be on to the tune of millions and millions more saying, get into the U.S. right now. They're letting us stay. And so you're right. It's a good comparison 
to what happened with uh, with Harry Reid. It's a good comparison. Uh, anytime the Democrats promise you something in exchange for a massive surrender on something like sovereignty and security, you know that you're about to be played. You know they're never going to follow through with the other half. And if for some reason the Republicans in the majority of the House, which are coming up now uh, in just a few days, if for some reason they said, okay, we'll do comprehensive immigration reform, we'll give amnesty to all of them that are here now, but we must build that wall and, and secure that border so no, nobody else comes in. Wayne, you're right. They, we, will, we will give that amnesty, they will swear a whole bunch of people in as citizens, and then the Democrats will come up with a reason and say, oh, we've got a health crisis, or oh, we've got an economic crisis, oh, we just don't have the funds to finish that border wall, oh, we don't have the funds, or they'll just come back and change their mind and say, this wall is just so oppressive, and it is so, you know, China, or a, a Berlin Wall-esque from the Soviets, this is something we can't do. They'll back away from it, and they'll find a way to pull out of their, pro- their end of the promise. There's no doubt well, in my mind whatsoever. You can as not Kennedy, trust as, a Democrat ever. As Kennedy did with Cuba, we need a total blockade on, of, on China as far as technology is concerned, our businesses and our companies are concerned as far as dealing with China in any way, shape, or form. A complete American blockade of China for technology. Well, well there's there's a, there's a bit of a problem with that one, my friend. And and thank you for the phone call. Keep listening, and we'll talk about this a little bit more with other folks too. Cuba is not China. China is not Cuba. About the only thing they share is their ideology. The Communist Chinese Party and the communist leaders of Cuba uh, oppress their people. Uh, but Cuba is a tiny, tiny, tiny little blip. We can we can put an embargo on all Cuban goods, including cigars, coming to the United States, and it doesn't impact us much at all. You blockade China, one of the world's leading producers of technology. You blockade China, and in that would probably include under the One China policy, Taiwan. We don't get the computer chips, the nano chips that we need to build all of our computers and cars and virtually everything that we have that is automated today, not to mention cheap goods, cheap clothing, cheap uh, 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 kitchen utensils, cheap uh, auto parts, cheap, um, I mean, everything we get from China, we don't do it because we love the Chinese communists. We just do it because it's a lot cheaper than getting it made in America. Now, don't get me wrong, I would love to be able to blockade the Chinese Communist Party, stop them from sending their goods to the United States, stop stop us from being beholden to them for all of these things. But are you prepared and are you ready to pay double for the things that you are getting from China now? And go buy yourself a pair of jeans or go buy yourself a pair of shoes or whatever and look at the little tag on the inside. It's going to be made in China. Some of them may be made in other Asian countries, but they're almost always exclusively Asian. You're going to find some things made in Vietnam, some things made in Korea. You're going to find some things made uh, you know, uh, in Malaysia. Um, those tags are all going to be like that. But the overwhelming majority are either made and manufactured in China because of their cheap labor, but their massive population and their oppressive child slave wages that they pay. And we hate that, but we sure as heck like seeing $18 on the item we're about to buy with the tag that says made in China versus $39. Because we can't buy the $39 one, or at least we can't buy them as frequently or as often. 
And the same will be true of just about every other product that, that we have that is manufactured over there for, for, again, slave wages. Are Americans willing to pay double or more uh, to have all of their items uh, made in America and blockaded from, from China? I don't know about that. It's like I said, it's easy to say when it's a nation like Cuba that doesn't provide very much for us, that isn't a manufacturing hub, that isn't a, a world economic power that we kind of have to do business with. Uh, it's a little easier with Cuba. It's, it's a lot harder with the Chinese Communist Party because we do. We rely upon them for the uh, economy to, to continue to grow here, uh, and it won't grow if people are forced to pay double or, or more prices for all of their goods and services. Well, not services, but goods. Jim is in West Park. Uh, Jim on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Good morning, Jim. Go ahead, sir. Yes. Um, uh, talking about amnesty, when Donald Trump was in the White House with Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, uh, they were talking about the DACA recipients, and he said, "Well, I'll tell you what. I, I see you, and I raise you double." And they said, "No, no, no, no. We don't want. We don't want that. We just want the DACA." And he he played him like a fiddle. See, he didn't. They didn't want him to take credit for anything. So it was just a big game that they played. Okay, now it's not the Republican Party that's at fault. It's the Democrat election fraud that's taking place. That's turning off Republican voters. And the sad part of it is, when they defeat the Republicans, they will go after the Democrats. They're taking our religion away slowly but surely. Well, hold on, hold on, Jimmy. Jimmy, hold on for a second, Jim. Who's they? Who's they that will go after the Democrats after the Republicans? That well, the power, the the communist people will eventually go after the Democrats too. Okay, but are aren't the Democrats the communists? Aren't they the ones that they're working with? I I well, I don't think that they are there yet. They want. To control the people, but they're not there. They still want their freedoms, but you know, I and I'm just just a thought. And let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Uh, we just we just uh, 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 celebrated the birth of, of Christ, right? And after he was born, they had a bunch of people chasing him all over the world, and they wanted to kill him. And finally, after so many years, uh, he came back to his birth and uh, place and was tried and hung. Uh, and when he rose after three days, all his friends were afraid to even be with him for 40 days. It, they, were, they were marked as like the vaccine mandates, unclean, unholy. We don't want to be with him because we could be, we could, they, these people could take us out the same way. So that's the Holy Ghost. We always uh, uh, make the sign of the cross, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. He spent about 40 days on the planet after he died and rose. That is the Holy Ghost, and that's what I really wanted to say. And thank you for taking my call, Bob. Okay, thanks, Jim. I appreciate the phone call. Going back to, before the religious stuff, going back to the part about uh, Republicans and Democrats and who they is. Look, I there is growing and ample evidence of what many people are calling a uniparty. 
that there really isn't, uh, there really aren't two different parties competing to run this country in different ways, that they're actually all working together as a uniparty. And I have resi- resisted a lot of that uh, over the course of the last several months, maybe even the couple of years of the Biden administration, thinking that there are Republicans, and there are individual Republicans, you know, to the, to the extent that they can, doing what they can do on behalf of the American people and on behalf of the Constitutional Republic. That I, you know, I don't believe that they're a uniparty. They're, they're, they're working together in concert with the Democrats. Um, I don't, I don't subscribe to that theory anymore after what happened on the omnibus bill right before Christmas. I don't subscribe to the idea that the Republican Party as a whole is working to combat the Democrats and trying to protect uh, the free market capitalist constitutional republic that we are. I do believe that there is, like I said, growing evidence of the uniparty. There are individuals who are pushing back against it, but they are not enough. There is not enough power. The fact that Tom Cotton... And I played this clip yesterday for Peter. He went on uh, Hugh Hewitt's program yesterday morning, and Tom Cotton, the supposedly conservative senator from from, uh, Arkansas, uh, explaining and justifying why he voted with 17 other uh, Republican senators to join the Democrats to pass that monstrosity leads me to believe that they are working together. Again, maybe not everyone, maybe not to a man. But they are absolutely working together and that there is something that we, the people, are going to have to find, a way that we are going to have to find to combat not just the Democrats, but the Uniparty that I don't know yet. I don't know what that will look like, how we can combine and unify our own, for lack of a better term, forces. I'm not trying to suggest this is military. But we have to combine our own forces and our own resources to fight not just one party but two. And that's a very daunting task. But I'll tell you something right now. I'm up for it. What else do we have to do? Surrender? Let this country devolve from the capitalist republic in this beacon of freedom that we were gifted through the blood and the sacrifice of so many through the last 250 years? Allow it to just crumble? Allow them to take over and turn it into a Marxist state? Really? You're going to do that to your kids? You're going to do that to your grandkids? I'm ready to find the solution. I'm ready to fight for it in whatever way that that looks like. I just don't know what it is yet. I'm up for the battle, are you? You better be. 2023 is coming fast. And uh, beyond that is the next most important election of our lifetimes. You better be ready for that fight. 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Right back. All right, it's 1028 on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. I've got callers on the line that I don't want to take right now because I'm going to end up running up against the bottom of the hour. So I gave you Mr. Rogers a little bit earlier in the broadcast. Uh, what do you say we get the remix? Girls grow up to be the mommies. Boys grow up to be the daddies. Everybody's fancy. Everybody's fine. Your body's fancy, and so is mine. Everybody put up your hands for my boy Fred Rogers, straight out of the Trophy, PA. Fred Rogers in the house. You know, everybody's fancy. You, me, born a boy, you stay a boy. Everybody's fancy. You, me, 
Everybody's fancy. Everybody's fine. Your body's fancy, and so is mine. Boys are boys from the beginning. Girls are girls right from the start. Now only boys can be men, only girls can be ladies Just like the leather trim in the back of my fans When you're cruising down the street and it happens again When you know she's a bobby but she thinks she's a can When you're out on the green but your ass are the caddies Only girls can be mamas, only boys can be daddies Now you're in LA, in the streets, it's the titus But when you're in the hood, it's my boy, Mr. Rogers Everybody's fancy You Me Everybody's fancy Everybody's fine Your body's fancy and so is mine Some are fancy on the outside Me Some are fancy Fancy on the inside. Me. Everybody's fancy. Everybody's fine. Your body's fancy, and so is mine. Born a boy, you stay a boy. Girls are girls right from the start. That's my grabbing to speak from the heart. Hey, but true gender, true gender, ain't nothing but men and women. Everybody's fancy. Everybody's fine. Your body's fancy, and so is mine. You. Yeah, Fred Rogers in the house. Everybody's fine. Tell it like it is. You, me, featuring Pastor Mark Robinson. Featuring your boy Johnny High. By way of Bob France. WHK, take us home. There's a song called Everybody's Fancy that I think. Yes, indeed, he does. Johnny Hiles on the remix. Great stuff. We'll get to the news now. We'll come back, get to your phone calls. Always write radio on AM 1420, the answer. Waking up America from its woke slumber. Always write radio with Bob France on the answer. All right, 1037 now as we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. We'll get right back to the phone calls in a moment. But um, first, since I promised this, I want to deliver this. This is number 10 of the 10 most mortifying media moments of 2022, according to Graby. And they do a great job of assembling media and sound bites and clips from all over media and all over the Internet. Uh, they're a terrific, terrific news source. So they've put together the 10 most mortifying media moments of 2022. And this one is number 10. Seven hours makes the 18 minutes of erased Oval Office tapes around Watergate look like a game of patty cake. There appears to be a real cover-up of who Trump was talking to while the mob was attacking and ransacking the Capitol. These White House records are not just incomplete. The gap suggests staggering and potentially willful omissions. Trump, or someone in his administration, appears to have actually tampered with the records. It looks like he made a decision. I'm going to take this offline for the next seven and a half hours. Donald Trump has acted like a mafia boss. Donald Trump and his allies, whether they removed calls from the log or they made secret calls on burner phones, knew what they were doing was wrong and tried to hide it. Simple as that. Now, the six pages of logs for January 6th are determined to be complete based on an official review of those White House records. So there are no missing pages, and the seven-hour gap is likely explained by the use of White House landlines, White House cell phones, and personal cell phones that don't 
go through a switchboard. Tragically, anti-mask insanity has now reached the highest court in the land. My first reaction was to think what a mean-spirited, almost ghoulish person Neil Gorsuch is. Gorsuch has the nerve to refuse well, to... I think I'm going to stop there. Move. They, they blended 10 right into 9 there, which is the media is using uh, NPR's fake news to trash Justice Gorsuch. The first one was obviously about January uh, uh, 6th in uh, 2021. They're talking about uh, the seven-hour call gap that was found on the White House phone logs from January 6th, and you just heard the feeding frenzy from the media there, all attacking Trump and Trump's team, claiming that they were hiding things, manipulating things, deleting evidence, and so forth. Um, One of the nation's foremost intellectuals in media, Chris Hayes of MSNBC, began drawing connections uh, to Nixon's erase tapes from Watergate. Uh, and it didn't matter. It turns out President Trump was just using his cell phone, inventing a story that's quickly revealed as fake news that would embarrass most journalists. But that's what separates the professional chattering class from the amateurs. Uh, they had already moved on to their next dubious blockbuster. So, uh, yeah, they did. They they laid that one on heavy and thick, and it was all completely fake news. Because landlines did not go through that switchboard. Cell phones did not go through that switchboard. There are specific uh, things that are recorded and specific things that are not. Nothing untoward happened. But the left didn't care. Because, as we know, and this is the most hilarious part about it, the most hilarious part about this is that Trump has been out for two years, and he's still the number one hit uh, target of, of, of the lefts in the media uh, on their hit list. I mean, he's not even president anymore, and they cannot stop stalking, tormenting, torturing, and trying to to destroy this man's future prospects as well is obviously what he has done in the past. So that was just number 10. Uh, I've got nine more, and we'll be playing them throughout the day today, tomorrow, and Friday of the media's worst, most horrific uh, moments and uh, agendas, I guess, if you will, from 2022. Okay, uh, back to the phones as promised. We're going to go to Parma, and that's where Bob is on AM 1420, The Answer. Bob, thanks for waiting. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, good morning, Bob. Um, This morning you were uh, uh, searching for some uh, positive things, positive ways looking at uh, 2022. Yeah, if you got one, let me hear it. Well, (laughs) uh, you know, if you had a cancer... Uh, and you, you didn't know about it until the very last minute, you would have prayed that you had had some pain for it beforehand so that you could have done something about it. Mm-hmm. And the way I look at this is that we could look to our future through dark, cloudy glasses, and I'm not proposing that we look through rose-colored glasses, but through clear glasses, mm-hmm. and recognize that in in this year, maybe more than any other, but all the way back to 2016 when... Trump got uh, uh, elected, we've been privy to see the massive amounts of corruption that are in this society, the collusion between big pharma, uh, big media, the uh, big tech, the government. And big the, government. The top, right? Don't forget big government. The, the, top, <laughs> the, the top ends of the uh, justice system and, and the law enforcement agencies of the government. So in my way of looking at this, um, We've got a, a we've we've been given a present in a way because prior to Trump uh, there was a, there was always been corruption going on but I don't believe in my uh, seventy plus years that I've seen as much come to the surface 
as has since Trump has been here, uh, ha, ha, you know, took office. And I think that's a blessing. I think it's, you know, people um, people don't respond until they feel a little bit of pain, until the heat turns up a bit. So um, It's an interesting I, perspective. I, yeah, it's an interest, interesting perspective. I, I, I don't disagree with anything you said other than the part about, you know, particularly in 2022, we learned about all of that corruption uh, because of Trump during Trump, you know what I mean? During his four years and even right, right after his his fourth year ended and they started the impeachment of him, uh, but it's, you know, but it's uh, coming, in, in it's 2021, but in 2022, I, I, you know, we should be rebounding from some of that. And instead we've had, obviously, because of decisions made by the highest levels of government and, as you point out, their collusion with big tech, with big pharma and so forth, um, you know, we we ought to be rebounding from that, and instead, I think we fell into a further hole in 2022 than we've ever been. But we're more aware of it at the moment. That's that's. Yeah. I, I I think we've become vastly more aware in the last year or two. Okay. Uh, it, it's so, a, it's a, it's a it's a good suggestion, and we're looking very hard. And I appreciate you uh, uh, overturning every rock to try to find some good news from 2022. And I appreciate that awareness is what Bob is going with, uh, and that's fine. I, I I became pretty aware of how corrupt everything was during Trump after watching them torment that man for not just four years, really, but five, counting the year before he became. Uh, president because they stole what they started to do in cheating and lying and spying on him through the uh phony fisa warrant um and the phony uh um dossier uh they 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 really spent five years tormenting him uh and really kind of pulling back the curtain on their corruption and then of course right after that another one i would hope we'd have been done with that by now but bob is saying awareness increased this year and that's fine because i'm literally willing to take anything Right now, I've got a whole bunch of negatives and very few positives from 2020, uh, 2022. TJ is in Cleveland next. Hey, TJ, go ahead. Yeah, hi, Bob. Yeah, I want to talk about sanctuary cities, Bob. Okay. You know, they uh, were opening their arms to anybody, all these illegals. And that was okay when a few showed up here and a few showed up there. Now when they're showing up by the thousands in these cities, all of a sudden they're changing their tune. I seen uh, about a week ago that mayor of New York was declaring like an emergency they're going to have to cut city services <laughs> because of all the illegals that are showing up in their city. Now, I'm going to tell you, if I was an illegal, you, you made a good point. They're crossing the border. Many of them don't have any marketable skills. Now, if I was an illegal crossing the border with no marketable skills, I want to go to New York or San Francisco or L.A. or any of these blue cities because I don't need a marketable skill. I can loot. I can steal, I can commit crimes for a living, and just like Joe Biden at the border, these blue cities have a catch-and-release policy for criminals. They but do. That's where, that's where these people ought to be heading. I mean, you don't, you don't have to have a skill to live in these cities to earn a living. No, you know you're not you're not wrong. But you know what's amazing is they declare themselves sanctuary cities, as in we are welcoming to all of these illegals. We'll keep you free. Uh, we'll make sure that ICE doesn't come and get you and deport you. And yet, when Abbott sends them to these cities to get them out of here, we don't want to send them to Martha's Vineyard. Oh my gosh, how terrible is that? Send them to Kamala Harris in Washington D.C. Oh, we don't want them up here. But you're right. Uh, you know what? They've asked for them. They ought to take them and they ought to treat them the same way that they uh, uh, they promised they would. You know, and, and another problem I have, and you know, I can say this, I'm Catholic, so I can take shots, but Catholic charities and Lutheran charities, we know for a fact we're behind a lot of these caravans, they were financing them. 
Now, I just seen on the news they're closing down Marymount's uh, 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 nun house. Well, hey, don't tear it down. Bring illegals and, 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 and put them in there. Let the churches start handling it. They're the ones that are uh, pushing to allow this to happen. Uh, everybody wants it, and they're all got the bleeding hearts, these liberals, until it comes to them themselves to take the bull by the horns and take these illegals in and support them and do well, something. Well, to be, to be fair, the 130 that were taken to Kamala's house in D.C., uh, because she wouldn't open her doors to them, they were taken to a local church that did provide them with shelter and warmth and food and so on and so forth. I don't know which one, but I knew, do know that's where they ended up that night. They didn't leave them stay on the street in the freezing cold, and Kamala wouldn't help them, so uh, somebody came and took them to a local church. The church took them in. So, What's your point? And, and, yeah, and that's a good thing, Bob. You know, like yes. I said, and there are some churches that'll step up, but I'm talking in mass. Yeah. You know, take no, I got in. you. You want to bring them in? Fine. You want to open your heart and your hands? Fine. But start taking care of them. Yep, I, I'm with you, brother. Thank you, TJ. Appreciate the phone call. 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Navy man Norm in Strongsville wants to look back at 2022 a little bit. Hey, Norm. Norm, are you there? Yes, I am. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, sir. I wanted to agree with your previous caller from Parma, Bob, I believe. Yes, it was. No, looking back on 2022, I agree with you. It's probably one of the worst years in our lives. Uh, reminiscing, I go back to the days of when I grew up, and we had wonderful times in downtown Cleveland, in front of Higby's store, in front of the Sterling Linder Christmas tree, at Halley's. All the wonderful things, and they're gone. They're completely gone. But I want to give thanks to people like the men and women of our safety departments, and in particular, our Strong Soul Police Officers and Strong Soul Fire Department, who have kept us free from all the troubles and the major problems that are going on in the city of Cleveland, in the city of Philadelphia, in the city of Los Angeles, the city of New York, those crime-ridden metropolises run by Democrats. We are fortunate, Bob. We are so fortunate that we live in a red state like Ohio and that we have, and I I know you don't like DeWine, and I'm not a fan either, but at least we got a Republican governor, Republican state legislature, and think about it. We could live in a place like Michigan? Are you kidding me? With Governor Whitmer and these people reelect this airhead? We could live in a place like uh, New Orleans, the crime capital of the country, as far as murders go? Now, we are fortunate, Bob, and we have to I, I think it's time that the people realize this storm taught me one thing. Don't take your furnace for granted, okay, at 3.30 in the morning when it goes out. Don't take the people that service your furnace for granted that come out in that kinds of weather. So we are blessed, and I'm trying to look at it positively. Yes, we have our problems. Uh, like you, I don't know. Uh, my status as far as being a member of the Republican Party anymore, especially when you got quizlings and traitors that sold their souls for uh, earmarks, like the 18 rhinos uh, who masquerade as conservatives in the U.S. Senate. But 
we still have people like Jim Jordan, Matt Gates, Governor DeSantis, President Trump. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful for him. And I'm looking forward to 2023 as a positive year with the Republicans coming through on January 3rd. I don't want to hear about investigation after investigation. I want to hear about indictments. I want to hear about indictments of the FBI, the fascist bureau of intimidation. I want to hear about indictments of Garland and Ray and the rest of the corrupt people. If that's the standard, Norm, that you're setting for yourself, my good friend, you are going to be very, very disappointed. They're well, not gonna. They're not gonna come. There's not gonna be indictments. There's not gonna be trials. At most, there's gonna be public embarrassment and reveal revelations of the things that they did. But they're not gonna be going to prison any more than they're gonna be able to put Trump in prison, even though they've referred him for criminal uh, uh, investigation from the Department of Justice. There is never gonna be the kind of justice that we wish to see. And and to to your larger point there, um, I'm thankful for the existence of some of those conservatives that you just mentioned as well. But in reality, they are so outnumbered, there is very little that they can do. They're outnumbered by Democrats and by rhinos, by, by Republicans who govern like Democrats. And, you know, you were correct to say that I don't like Mike DeWine, but we still have a Republican governor. No, we don't. We have a Democrat governor. We have a Democrat governor that occasionally has a conservative um, jolt to their system, like DeWine signed the heartbeat bill. Uh, you know, that's about it. Virtually everything else he does is Democrat. And I would say the same thing with the large majority that we have in the Ohio State House. Our General Assembly is dominated by Republicans who govern like Democrats. And so if that's what we have, my friend, I'm not going to be counting my blessings. I'm going to be, again, referring to the worst year that we have had in a very, very long time because the few bright, shining stars that you can point to uh, just don't have enough power to overcome uh, the uniparty opposition, if you will. And I really think that's what's happening. Well, I think it's up to us people to give those uh, good people like Jordan Gates and DeSantis the power and the support. And that's the thing that bothers me. And I do agree with you to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. The problem basically lays in the hands of the people. We need more people to come together on our side, if you will, and forget the uh, <laughs> our wonderful news media, especially our local TV stations that refuse to broadcast the news, the real news. I haven't seen a single thing about these Twitter files and the FBI on WJW, WKYC, WOIO, none of them. None of them report it, Bob. They don't report a single thing that is positive about conservatives, Republicans, President Trump, or anything. So stop watching these fools and put our money where our mouth is. Subscribe to uh, organs like the Epic Times. Uh, Get together with each other and build like like our local Republican parties and make them strong. Uh, Strongsville Republican Party, for example, and Medina County Republican Party and Star County are very, very strong groups. But we have to get behind these people and support them. I mean, just complaining about it doesn't do us any good. But at the same time, I want to put a positive spin on it. I'm going to put my trust in the one being that we can trust, and that's God. That's Almighty God. And I look at it this way. Yesu Ufam Tobi, Jesus, I trust in you, and I'm putting everything in his hands. And that's it, Bob. 
Well, I'll tell you what, that's that's the the one point I think on which we can all agree. There is very, very little we can trust on earth, so we have, we better be able to trust uh, he who is in heaven. Uh, thank you, my friend. God bless. Appreciate you. 1055. We'll come right back on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by Keeping Medicare Simple and The Floor King. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. is Always Right Radio with Bob Frantz on AM 1420, The Answer. Onward, we roll. Nine minutes past 11 o'clock. Hour number three is underway. Thanks for being with us on this Wednesday. It's the 28th morning of the 12th month of the year of our Lord, 2022. So um, we're guest free today, so we've been taking a lot of phone calls. We've been looking back at 2022. I've been talking about how 2022 is arguably the worst year uh, that I can recall. Uh, again, that's for all of us, big picture, not for individuals who have had terrible years due to personal issues, deaths, job losses, and, and other terrible things that can happen. Big picture. Worst year I can remember. Very, very few redeeming qualities for the year 2022. But people are calling with their suggestions, including just 2022 made us more aware of how screwed we really are. That was one message that I got. Um, and uh, that there are, somebody said there's a positive thing and that we can still recognize a few people still fighting for us. And that's good, I mean, I suppose. But again, I'm looking at it in terms of um, effectiveness. And yes, there are individuals who are fighting for us, but their effectiveness is limited by their ability to um, uh, counteract the majority. There are just a very, very... Uh, very few individuals who are fighting for us as true conservatives and fighting for this constitutional republic uh, that we were gifted. So many of them are just outnumbered by leftists who are on the Democrat Party and leftists in the Republican Party. They wear that R in order to get elected sometimes from Republican districts and states. Then they go into the office and they govern like Democrats. I'll give you an example. Maybe the most egregious, Robert Portman, Runs as a Republican in the state of Ohio, knows it's a red state, knows he's got a great opportunity to win, has gotten reelected, and then goes in and governs like a Democrat. More than not. Votes for things like the omnibus. Votes for things like the, uh, uh, the Respect for Marriage Act. Are you kidding me? Completely abandoning the Defense of Marriage Act, all because of a personal issue with his son. 
He wasn't elected to serve his son. He was elected to serve the people of Ohio and of this country who did vote for him. I'm tired of people running Mike DeWine. If Mike DeWine ran as what he is, do you think he'd be governor right now? You think he'd be governor the first time, much less reelected? I don't think he would be. I don't think Mike DeWine wins if he runs as a Democrat. Even though he governs as one, there aren't enough Democrats to get him elected. But if he runs as a Republican, there are enough stupid Republican voters who trust him and say, yeah, I was one of them. First time, I didn't do it this time. But I'm tired of Republicans who run as Democrats. And I'm tired of Republicans who govern as Democrats. Essentially, forming the uniparty that so many speak of, and sadly and horrifically, making so many of us political refugees. We have no homes. We have no homes. There's certainly no home for us in Marxistville. And there's no home for us in in pseudo-Republican land. There just isn't. Where do we go? Like I said before, I'm willing to fight the fight. I'm willing to do what is necessary to fix that. But we are going to have to fight not just one party, but two parties. That's reality. And I know there are Republicans who listen to me right now and tell me, oh, you're overstating it all, and you're, you're whining about something. You know, the Republican Party is still the right party. And you know what? Kiss my royal, and I'll say it again, red, white, and blue, A. You're not. The Republican Party is not doing the work of the people and doing the work of conservatives. It's just not. Mike DeWine, John Husted, leadership in the Ohio General Assembly, they're just not doing the work of the people. If they would, they would have passed with their overwhelming veto-proof majorities medical freedom bills. That didn't just pertain to COVID, but future quote-unquote epidemics or health crises as well. They would have done that. If they were working on behalf of the people, working on behalf of the conservatives who elected them, they would have passed every single bill that came down the line uh, with respect to banning CRT and sex education, comprehensive and inappropriate sex education in our schools. If they were working on behalf of the people, they wouldn't have taken four months to just get a simple resolution passed that says, no, we reject Title IX changes by the Biden administration. We're going to let girls be girls, and we're going to let them have their own sports teams. We're going to let them have their own locker rooms and showers. We're not going to put biological boys in them. We're not playing that game. In other words, if there were Republicans in the state of Ohio who governed the way I don't know, Republicans in the state of Florida do. We'd be in a hell of a lot better shape. We wouldn't be homeless. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis continues to set the pace. He announced on Tuesday, yesterday, that the DeSantis administration in Florida is now investigating a Christmas drag show event that exposed children to sexualized acts. The event was held at the Broward Center for the Performing Arts in Fort Lauderdale as part of a national tour for a drag queen Christmas. It was billed as being family-friendly, but it featured sexually provocative, provocative content and expressions such as, and I can't say this word on the, on the radio, but blank in a box, and it was, it's, it's the, uh, another graphic term for breasts, 
starts with a T, blank in a box, lewd dancing, and Brian Griffin, press secretary for DeSantis, said, we're not standing for this crap in our state. We're not going to let our kids be turned into little, indoctrinated, groomed, sexual beings. The Department of Business and Professional Regulation is aware of multiple complaints about a sexually explicit performance marketed to children held in Fort Lauderdale December 26th. The department is actively investigating this matter, including video footage and photographs from the event. Uh, DPBR will, like in other cases, take action. Exposing children to sexually explicit activity is a crime in the state of Florida. And such action violates the department's licensing standards for operating a business and holding a liquor license. The statement said any evidence gathered would be shared with the Florida Department of Law Enforcement for potential criminal liability. Quote, the department frequently conducts investigations into these matters upon tips provided by the public. And we thank the public for continuing to bring attention to these incidents. Investigations of such allegations will remain a priority for the department and indeed are ongoing. The statement added, they're doing it right down there. I wouldn't feel like a refugee in Florida. I would say the Florida Republican Party is my home. In Ohio, the Ohio Republican Party is a joke. It's a joke, and I don't care how many enemies I make in Columbus by saying so. I will say so on this program. I will say so on my podcast, Talking Smack. I will say so in social media. It is a joke. When R's govern like D's, why have R's at all? Or, as I asked on my social media a couple of days ago after they voted, actually at the end of last week after they voted, Republicans voted on that omnibus spending bill. If Republicans are just going to vote like Democrats, what was the point of the midterms? Seriously. What the hell was the point of the midterms if Republicans are just going to vote along with the Democrats and $1.7 trillion of Democrat dreams? What's the point of having the midterms, the big battles, the prediction of the red wave versus the blue wave or the holding pattern or whatever the case might be? What difference did it make if they're all the same? And I'm not going to sugarcoat it, and I'm not going to kiss the rings or any other things on Ohio Republicans to make them come on my show, if they want to want to come on my show because I'm telling the truth about what they are, feckless, worthless Democrats wearing R's during election season, too bad. I don't care. I will continue to bring truth to as many people as I can reach in Northeast Ohio and beyond. Tanya's in Akron. Tanya, thanks for your patience. Sorry about the extended rant. Didn't plan that. It just happened. But go right ahead. But thank you for the extended rant because we we have the biggest uniparty in the state of Ohio. They don't represent us, never have, at least not for the last 10 years. When I got up this morning and saw um, Feckless, as you say, Mr. Bob Portman's uh, letter saying he's finished, you know, I wanted to choke him. But that's here, there, he's gone. We have to hold J.D. Vance accountable because he can slip into that very easily, too. I'm praying that he doesn't, but he could. But you're right. Uh, we need to start judging judging people on what they do, not what they say. Bingo. Okay? I've 
heard a lot. You know, I love uh, Navy Man, Bob, and a couple other people that were for me. But we have to realize they have they're talking in a circle of their friends, and they think that the same values that they grew up with, America still has. We don't. We live in a post-Christian America now. We live in a country that does not. God is not the center of it. They will do everything to take down the Constitution because they live in a world that, based on their reality, we have to have courage. I heard that in Ronald Reagan. I, that's my word for the year. Courage to speak truth to power. You've been doing it. We can disagree and not and agree on a lot of things, but I do believe that we stand for walk. You know, America is the greatest country in the world. But we have to regain it. We're only going to have a remnant, and we have to be able to fight. And I don't think we have enough fighters, okay? People are thinking just because we have a lot of Republicans. They're not fighters. They're Democrats that have gotten elected as Republicans, okay? They are. So That's exactly we, right. They, they wear the R only at election time. That's exactly correct. Right. And so when we start asking them, and I think that we need to expand our party, not just for the young, but I'm looking at my faith and I'm saying, who else believes like me? Muslims believe like me. They don't want their kids, uh, you know, indoctrinated. Mm-hmm. Or, the, you know, they're, you know, we have Christians in name only. We have Jewish people in name only. But what are the people that are actually living out their faith? When you live out your faith, you believe the number one important thing you have is parental rights if you're a parent. And when you give up parental rights, you have given up four or five generations. So we have to fight for our children. And when we're not fighting for our children, we need to be fighting for ourselves. Bob, this last year has proven to me there is a hell and there is a heaven. And I'm going to either go to one or the other. And if I stand by People like the wine and people like Portman that vote what's good for their families. I'm going to be in hell with them. I'm voting for the right that when I see my maker, he's going to say that I did not sin. I, I, I sin every day, but I repent of it. But I didn't give up on him. My faith is I trust him and I'm persevering. But it's... We only have a remnant of us. Well, we you're, only you're have the, a remnant the, of us. You're the second or third person today to, to say exactly that, that we have to trust God because the reality is there is nobody on this planet. Uh, well, I must say that. There's nobody in my sphere, in my you know life's sphere, uh, including the state of Ohio, that I can trust. Uh, and, and and I mean that in a big picture way. Are there individuals, as I said before, that I trust in government or in our leadership positions? Yeah, there are individuals, but they don't have enough power on their own to do what needs to be done. So what what else do we have left to do but put our trust in God? When all else fails, so we, as they say, put your trust we, in but God. But everything we do, we put our trust in God. But he didn't say not do anything. I think too many of us, you're not, not you, okay? I have a full-time job. I only can do so much. Sure. But I'm telling my kids now, if you don't like the way I vote, fine. If you don't like the way I think, fine. 
you are a free moral agent, but don't ask for my money. When I, I'm not leaving you anything. I'm going to leave my money to things that promote my beliefs and values. I will shop in places that promote my beliefs and values. And I will be able to stand and say it with the fear because I want to have courage to move forward and tell people, I'm not going to stand for this. If I see something wrong, I won't say it. But we have to move past the fear. And I still think we are afraid because we know we've seen people being taken out and we don't want to be taken out. You're going to be taken out one way or the other. You're going to be, we're going to be enslaved to this progressive leftist Marxist organization. If you're 50 years old, you might sit in your, your lifetime if you don't stand up and start fighting now. You cannot wait till they come and get you because it will be too late. There will be no one else to help you because you didn't say anything when they took me. You didn't say anything when they took you, Bob. And get these churches, figure out your church. If your church has got this Marxist ideology, get out of that. If they got the you know, CRT mentality, get out of them. There are places you can go that you can serve God and serve your family, serve your community, and serve your country. We need to have those places. And the last thing I'm going to say, get your kids out of public education. Whatever it costs you, it's not going to it. Whatever it costs you, get them out. You have to get them out now. I don't care what grade they are in, you're going to have to get them out. Tanya, you're dropping a lot of knowledge this morning. No, that's all. That's real good. Let's end it there. I've got to take this break, but thank you for the call. You dropped a lot of very good uh, knowledge and information on us. Thank you for your passion, and thank you for what you do. Like you said, you've got a full-time job. Nobody can do what we want to do all the time to try to make changes and to try to save this country and try to save our, our culture and our kids and everything else. We can't do it all the time, but you do everything that you can, and God bless you for that. We'll be back. Okay, it's 1128. We'll squeeze in one more call here before the bottom of the hour. If I don't get to you now, don't hang up. I'll get to you after the bottom of the hour. But for now, it's Don in Brunswick. Hey, Don, you're on the air. Go right ahead, sir. Yeah, hey, Bob. Great show. Hey, quickly, just a couple of points to make. You were talking about Rhino Portman. He gave an interview to an interviewer, and it was televised the other day. Uh, apparently, he's been a senator since 1993. And they asked him why he wanted to become one. And he said, well, I wanted to, quote, unquote, show that I could work across the aisle. So he's telling us right then and there he's a rhino, and that's he's proud of it. And also, uh, second point I want to make about this comprehensive immigration reform that the Democrats want first and then secure the border. Isn't this a lot like Lucy and the football? Haven't they been telling us that oh, the border is here? Yeah, that's a great analogy. That is exactly what it is. Here, pass this immigration reform and give amnesty to everybody who's here illegally right now, and I promise you we'll secure the border. And you're right. Yoink. Away goes the football, and we look like idiots again. And the, and but, well, but, but but yet, as long as they're in power, they continue to say, "Well, it's the Republicans who won't negotiate with us. They won't. They won't agree to a comprehensive immigration strategy that provides the amnesty." And you know what? The worst part about it is, they never explain why 
the first part has to happen. Why do we have to give amnesty to people who cheated when there are millions of people around the world who would love to come to this country and who wait in line uh, trying to file for the official uh, paperwork to do so legally? Why do they insist on giving amnesty to these people? Seventy percent Democratic voters are going to be in that new base. That's what they want. Then they can look at you with the high in the sky during the headlights look and go what we didn't cheat look at the numbers yeah well i got news for you i've got news for them and you probably already know this too they can't count on that anymore the winds have shifted big time when it comes to hispanic voters in this country more and more hispanics are good family people who don't buy what the democrats are selling it's why a guy like uh ron desantis can go down into dade county with its hugely heavily cuban american population and win it going away no republican has done that pretty much ever Hispanics are coming around and voting Republican and voting conservative like they really haven't, I, I dare I say ever, but, but, but I think I can say it pretty uh, with, with some conviction, ever. And so if they think that they're just going to go ahead and bring in all of these people from uh, Mexico and from you know Latin American countries or Central American countries, all of these Hispanics coming in here and thinking they're all just going to vote Democrat, they may be in for a rude freaking awakening. And uh, it's not something I want to take a chance on, but I'll tell you what, they better not bank on it. Thank you, my friend. God bless you. Appreciate the call. We'll be right back. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by The Floor King and Keeping Medicare Simple. 216-901-0945, the number to join us. We've had a lot of great calls today, a lot of great conversation. We're talking about what happened in 2022. We're looking a little bit forward to 2023. Not always with positive things in mind because there are some serious challenges in front of us. But let's continue. Jeff is in uh, Perma Heights next. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for waiting. You're on the air. Go right ahead. Good morning, Bob. I'm going back to 2020 here. You know, there, there's enough evidence that the election was stolen and you know, most of the chaos going on in this country is because of that. And I'd just like to know your thoughts on why the military hasn't stepped in at this point in time to arrest this fraudulent administration. Well, the military, like anything else, uh, they have protocols to follow. And one of the protocols they have to follow is the leadership, or excuse me, the uh, orders come from the leadership in the chain of command. Well, the chain of command is Joe Biden at the top. He's the commander-in-chief. He commands general or uh, Pentagon. Pentagon commands generals. Generals command on down. Nobody is going to rise up and try to uh, arrest or stop or whatever the guy who is literally in charge of the military, which is what the it's 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 a little bit difficult because what you're saying is, you know, is true. Everything that we are dealing with right now, or at least ninety nine and a half percent of what we are dealing with right now is the result of the Biden presidency, and that means the theft of the Trump presidency. I concur 100%. That's what happened in 2020. But when he did it and was successful doing it and took the oath and was sworn in, he became the commander-in-chief, and there's nobody who's going to, they're not going to stage a coup and have the military uh, rise up on its own accord. You know, those rank-and-file members of of the military are going to rise up on their own accord and start challenging, much less physically going after the uh, leadership. Right. It just seems like our hands are tied here because, like you said, like an earlier caller stated, there's only like a handful of people that are really fighting 
And and with the corrupt Justice Department and, and judges and everything else, they don't want to look at anything. So, like, what, where, where do you go? I mean, what do you do? Well, you know, the answer to that used to be you wait until the next cycle comes around and you vote out the, these individuals. But obviously, as we have just seen in the midterms as well, and I still cannot believe that it happened again, but I, but I guess I can in Arizona, that more fraud took place. Uh, so normally the answer is, what can we do? We have to wait and, and vote again. Um, the, the difference this time around, and I've said this before, I don't want to be too redundant, uh, is we have to start embracing elections in the same way that the Democrats do. If we can't get them to agree to go back to the old way of voting, which is everybody in person on the same day and add um, uh, verified uh, voter identification, with the exception only of absentee ballots that can be requested by military serving overseas or individuals who are not living in their home, you know, college students and others who aren't home to cast their ballots, so they can send those in. If we can't get them to do that, which we can't, then we're going to have to say, okay, here are the new rules. Voting 30 days ahead of time, uh, ballot harvesting, uh, you know, uh, picking up people and taking them to the polls, universal mail-in balloting, send in the mail, uh, send in the mail ballots as well. We have to start doing it the way they're doing it because it's making them win. Um, so that, that's a really lazy and lame response that I have for you right now, which is we still have to rely on the vote, but we have to change the way we vote because other than that, uh, we are at the mercy of a very, very powerful uh, uniparty, which um, you know is Republicans partnering with the Democrats to make sure that the rest of us don't actually have our say. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Yeah. All right, thank and you. I, Bob. I hate to say it, thank you, my friend. I appreciate the call. Um, I hate to say it that way. I'm not trying to be pessimistic at all, but I think that's the reality. I think the reality is we can't just say, "Well, we'll vote them out next time." We said they were going to do that in this midterm. It's one of the re- the midterms last month. Um, are one of the reasons why I've been saying what I'm saying about about 2022 being you know maybe the worst year of our lifetimes, um, one of the worst in recent memory of any memory. I don't know. It depends on what your lifetime is. Like I said, whether you're 20 or 90 or in the middle, like I am, um, that's one of the reasons because we had a chance to right the ship and we didn't do it by hook or by crook. They kept power in the Senate and very limited power for us in the House. Roz is in Cleveland next. Hey, Roz, you're on the air. Go right ahead. Hello. I think, um, first of all, I am going to play, pray blessings on Tanya. That woman was awesome. Um, but I'd like to point out the fact that our um, central committees in the county and the state are so rhino, they don't even, they don't even cultivate good candidates. They don't endorse good candidates. I don't agree with endorsing anybody in a primary. But then they endorse the rhinoist people they can find, and people don't do their research. I am going to um, give a couple of names here of good young candidates that we didn't back. Jonah Schultz, awesome young man. Uh, Shalira Taylor. We don't back them enough. Jay Hawkins. 
Well, let, let's um, let's take a little bit of that, Roz, and thank you for the phone call. I don't have a ton of time to respond to it because we're up against the end of the show here, but um, I will say this. Uh, Jonah Schultz was a good kid and a good young candidate. So was Max Miller, uh, and I think Max Miller is going to do great things in Congress. It's not as if we didn't back Jonah and thus a Democrat one. Uh, we have a very strong, conservative, MAGA-minded um, individual who's going to be sitting in that seat, and I think Max Miller's going to do great things. Shalira Taylor, I didn't know a ton about until she started calling my show a little bit late in the game, a little bit in the last couple of weeks prior to the election. There are people like that who are going to have to get out more early and more often and and make their names known and make their views and their ideas known so that they can generate the type of support. It's always an uphill battle when you're in a place that is so deep, deep blue, as Cleveland and many of these districts are, and Akron and many of those are as well, to be a Republican, even an African-American Republican. It's, a, it's difficult to do. Thank you for that call. Thank you to everybody for the great calls today. Thanks to our team, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.